This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, July 22nd, wherever and however you're connected, it is always great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who just finished four hours of basketball and is now carefully nursing the tiny cuts in his hands with sanitizer. His name is Jerem Jordan. No, that's not me. That's Gavin Baxter. Let's read his tweet from yesterday. The time is 621, he says. You're walking out to your car heavy-legged after finishing four hours of basketball. You sit in your car, which has been turned into an oven. (laughs) You squirt hot hand sanitizer on your hands. You grimace as the chemicals sear the tiny cuts in your calloused hands. (laughs) The second response to this was at 47, uh, Savid. Then you realize you're being followed by Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) That's a funny... That's a funny YouTube video. Gavin, have you considered writing in your future? This is uh, very well detailed. He's creative. Uh, I, I love that. I think we can all, uh, you know, relate. I have hand sanitizer in my car as well. And when I get out, out there, oh, my gosh. Like, it's a broil, mm-hmm. right? And I am putting that hand sanitizer on. And he's not, he's not joking. When you put that on and it's hot, for a hot second, it is, like, did I? Am I going to get a chemical burn here? Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So moral of the story is carry it around with you so that it's not 198 degrees when you get out there. We feel your pain, Gavin. I had to wear a suit and get into the broiling oven of a car yesterday, and it was no bueno. You can always change when you get there, right? You don't <sighs> yes. have to wear the suit. This is true. Chose to wear the suit. This, this is true. But then it's just annoying because then you got to change somewhere else, right? You got to change somewhere. Like, <laughs> you like, you got to do there, it. You change here. You brought up Shia LaBeouf. If he were to promote today's uh, BYUSN and promote watching it, he would say two words, Jerem. Do you know what they are? I thought it was three. Do it. Yeah, I thought. It was, yeah, That's he three. said just. As oh, well, just. Which do it kind of took Nike, which we think was like a Spencer W. Kimball thing, right? Do it. <laughs> You should watch today's show because it includes national champion head coach and Olympian Ed Eyestone. He will join us. How will a delayed start in the West Coast Conference impact the defending national champion cross-country team? Plus, the best to wear 57 and 58, Taysom Hill's MVP chances in the NFL, and what, what? the Big 12 is saying about a potential Full college football schedule. Here is today's full slate of BYU Sports Nation headlines. Senior defensive tackle Kairos Tonga has been named to the Outland Trophy and Nagurski Trophy watch list for best interior lineman and best defensive player. Ooh. And junior center James Empey, let's call him Jim, who's a junior, has also been named to the Outland Trophy watch list. Remember, BYU has two Outland Trophy winners in Jason Buck and Mo Elwini. Notre Dame's athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, says he wants to start the season later, but still play 8-10 to 10 football games. Due to the Big Ten and Pac-12 decision to play conference-only games, Notre Dame, like BYU, lost a good deal of stuff. USC, Stanford, and Wisconsin, specifically for the Fighting Irish Conferences, are reportedly supposed to have an outline of what their schedules will look like by the end of the month. Then there are these comments out of the Big 12 from the athletic director at Texas who says this morning, we're planning on starting football September 5th against South Florida. 
we're planning to play a 12-game schedule as of today. I also heard 50,000 fans in the stands floated out there. Uh, what? Then there is this reporter who follows Texas football and the Big 12 tweeting, and I think his name is Brian Davis. Yes. Continue to hear that the Big 12 athletic directors want a full 12-game schedule, but the plus-one model is on the table. Nine league plus one non-conference. Also, Texas, Oklahoma could be home and home for two years in a worst-case scenario. Interesting. Regarding Notre Dame, that feels like BYU and Notre Dame wouldn't happen if they're playing 8-10, to 10, although that's just one game. Maybe it will. And then Big 12, they want to play 12, which is interesting. So perhaps BYU could uh, line up something there, a Texas Tech or Texas A&M. Oklahoma State. Wait, if Alabama, in the SEC. If Alabama didn't work out. Or Missouri. Oh, wait, they're in the SEC and Oregon. Yeah, schedule. yeah. yeah. Uh, New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham urges both New Mexico and New Mexico State to postpone contact sports this fall, football and soccer namely. Not volleyball, which is interesting. High school sports have already been either delayed, postponed, or I'm, I'm not, I don't think they've been canceled. I'm not sure. But New Mexico, uh, the governor's asking to not play. New Mexico State certainly a last resort potentially for BYU if uh, it comes to an independent schedule only. I thought... You and I thought that might be a game that BYU could play, or games. A game so or two. <laughs> if the governor's asking not to play, like they don't have to do it, but that's a urging is a, a strong word for that. Yes. Is the California perspective leaking into the land of the enchanted? Yeah. Or the land of enchantment, President Bush. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, Madden ratings are out. We talked about Taysom Hill's speed rating, one of the highest in the NFL of all quarterbacks. Overall, he's rated 64. Acceleration, 89. Agility, 85. So speed rating, 90, and then an 89, 85. He's only a 64 overall. This is interesting to me. Kyle Van Noy is rated 86 overall, one of the highest numbers from a former Cougar with awareness at 97. Fred Warner. Rated 87. Fred Warner is one point higher than Kyle Van Noy. And they notably remark on his uh, coverage skills at 73, 83 in zone coverage. It's incredible that they have gone to this type of detail. <laughs> like he's an 83 in this very specific nuance of the game. But it's mad. All right. With that in mind, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The Mountain West Conference put out their preseason poll in hopes that a season will actually happen. And shocker, Boise State is the favorite to win it again. The Mountain Division favorites. And wouldn't you know, San Diego State, also on BYU's schedule, is favored to win the West. So BYU with two quality Mountain West Conference games, but when you look at the remaining seven games after all of those cancellations, Did you just dog on Utah State right there? Is that what you did? Well, I didn't include them because they're picked to finish fourth in their division. Uh, Jerem, would you be okay in the seven games remaining on the BYU football schedule with Boise State being the toughest game remaining, even if BYU adds some more? Are you okay if Boise State's the toughest game? Yes, because when I did 10-10 and 10 for teams, what did I say Boise State was? The second best Number team two. on the schedule. I thought they were really good. So, yeah, I'd be fine with that. And uh, if that game actually happens, I'll be happy. If BYU plays the seven games on the schedule, I'd be happy because it's something over nothing. We're, we're trending in the wrong direction for this. Again, this is so weird. This happened yesterday. To look at the schedule and only see seven games on there on July 22nd is the weirdest thing ever. It's crazy. I would be totally fine with that. Um, I, I think San Diego State and Missouri are probably uh, your next best teams on that. 
and then uh, we'll see where Houston kind of lines up, and then Utah State. North Alabama, like, is that game still happening? I Are think. they going to come all the Are way gonna... from Alabama for an FCS game? Yeah, I, I'm super interested, by the way, to see what the SEC does in all this. Because, yes, the Pac-12 and Big Ten have been moves, but if the SEC went conference only, that's, that's the end game. Because the SEC's first religion is football. Its second is Christianity, right? In the South. In the South. It's, I'm joking, but it's a big deal. It Boise, feels that way sometimes. Boise State is a uh, quality program. That'd be good. The only way that Boise State could really get bumped down is if BYU, I, I don't know. Since, added Alabama? <laughs> added Alabama. <laughs> uh, but I'm looking at w- other weeks. Week two, like Virginia Tech, Iowa State, that could be interesting. I don't know if they're better in Boise State, but they're on par. West Virginia, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, week three. Cincinnati is a really good program right now, week four. Miami's not better in Boise State, but it's a name. Um, and, and there's some options out there. It, I want BYU to add Power Fives to the schedule. Right now there's only one. I would love to see two or three more if BYU is going to play 12. But I don't, ex- I don't know what I expect. I expect just chaos with this. I expect less than 12, I guess. I do expect. Uh, Boise State is likely to be the toughest opponent on schedule. And what's interesting about this is, yeah, Boise State, even if BYU does add a few Power Fives, is still in position to probably be the best team that BYU plays. So, yes, if they're the toughest game on the schedule, I'm totally okay with that. And I'm especially okay with the idea that BYU wouldn't lose their Mountain West Conference games. I hope, oh, I hope that the Mountain West does not go conference only because there are another three games for BYU that you could kiss goodbye. That'd be tough. That'd be tough. Not only that, you lose two regional rivalries and another rivalry in San Diego State. Those are fun games. Those are quality group of five games. One actual rival in Utah State. Yeah. One regional rival in Boise State. And then San Diego State's... They, they hate BYU. Yeah. Well, I, a lot of teams do. Based on a turbulent past. Who, who likes BYU from the Mountain West? Is there anyone that's Air like... Air Force. Is there anyone that's like, we love those guys. <laughs> They're great. Like, does Air anyone Force. love BYU? Air Force liked BYU, at least the coaching staffs, when Bronco Mendenhall was here. But I don't know if that has changed since. Like Fisher DeBerry liked BYU or something? Troy Calhoun, yeah, the mutual yeah. respect, military academy. Well, Troy Calhoun's like, we should probably not be in the Mountain West anymore. He said that a couple years ago. Yes, what? Did. I'd totally be okay if Boise State were the best team on BYU's schedule. Yep. Again, because that means Mountain West games are still happening. And I, I like the budding rivalry that exists between BYU and Boise. And, I mean, they're a top 20 caliber team. So there are only 19 teams out there that – realistically, would be a tougher opponent than Boise. I believe Boise State will be the best group of five team. They play seven home games. This is before, you know, crap hit the fan with those two announcements a little bit. I'd have to look at it and break it down a little more. But I, I thought Boise State was in a position to be the best group of five. And, and that's saying a lot because that team is typically kind of top 15, top 20. Hey, SEC Big 12 lead the way, baby. Lead the way. And we shall follow. Topic two, yesterday, West Coast Conference Commish, Gloria Navarro, has addressed a variety of topics on the show. One of them was about a potentially delayed or conference-only men's basketball season. Here's Gloria. Even if we delayed start basketball, we could still have a very robust season if we either compacted it or, you know, um, reduced a couple of weeks here and there. So right now, we're in that same uh, decision-making matrix as we were with fall sports about three, four months ago. So time is on our side and all options are on the table. Spencer, are you okay with playing a potentially delayed or modified men's basketball season? One million percent. Yes. Whatever is going to allow BYU to pursue an NCAA tournament after 
the heartbreak of not being able to go to the big dance last season? Yes. So if it's mid-December, if it's mid-January, whatever, I don't care. Just she said the words. You can still play a robust schedule even if you delay it. And with an indoor with indoor facilities, things are going to get tricky trying to figure out if fans are going to be involved or whatever. Let's get some outdoor basketball stadiums. Let's go. Hey, they I, played on an aircraft carrier. I covered time. an outdoor NBA preseason basketball game at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden uh, between the Suns and the Mavericks. I've always it's, wanted to see a basketball game at a tennis garden. It's, it's it can happen. List. You can do it. Uh, but yeah, I'm okay with this. Just just make it happen. That's how I feel about college football right now. Just make it happen. However, if you tell me that no fans can go, but the games still happen. Great. Oh, fans are the least of my concern in this whole process. Just make it happen. It's whether you can play the games or not. If we can get fans in there, that's great because, one, it's great for the fans, obviously. But, two, uh, you know, you can get a little bit of extra money from that, money that you kind of bank on. Energy for an actual home court. That's all besides the point, though. The point is, are we going to play, period. Yes. Um, yeah. It, listen, Major League Baseball is going to start tomorrow night. My Mariners are going to start another losing campaign Friday night. Um, the NBA is coming back next week. Um, you know, some a uh, couple of exhibitions coming up before that. I don't care that there's no fans. I don't care because I'm able to watch it on TV. The people, the mindset that you care more about the f- people in the stands more than the TV viewership is extremely myopic. If someone has that, because there's always going to be more people watching on TV than there are in the stands. Make it That's happen. the case for every soccer game we do on BYU TV, every volleyball game, every softball game, every baseball. It goes on and on. Every game period we do on every BYU TV. Every game period, right? And that's not even like ESPN TNT where you're catering to a national audience as opposed to the BYU audience and its opponent. I would totally be okay, like you, with a men's basketball season that is delayed or modified because I would like to see this group have a chance to do something. I, I'm hoping it's not like a 12-game season. We, we don't know with hoops. I would be totally fine if they're like, you know what, we're going January to May. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Because if we can do that, that works. College football is a little different. They don't have as much of a uh, you know, wiggle room in the fall because of weather, because it's outside. Indoors, you can literally play whenever, but you don't want to affect too much of – the NBA draft and, uh, you know, like May Madness, that totally work. We're all, we'll all be there for it. I'm thinking that life isn't like back to normal for a year. It feels like that's totally uneducated opinion, which is most of what I bring to this show <laughs> anyway. But I would hope that a modified or delayed option could be something that is successful for the NCA. And this group that Mark Pope has put together, it'd be really nice to see them play together and have a chance to do something. You've gotten a couple grad transfers in Matt Harms and Brandon Averett who aren't here to wait another year. It's transfer nation, baby. <laughs> the, the transfer nation is happening. We need BYU to have a shot at this. We need, we need to, I'm not a huge fan of college hoops, generally speaking, until March, but uh, it'd be nice for BYU and the WCC, which is what I pay attention to, to have a, a shot at this earlier. I, I would love to see that. BYU was so exciting last year that it made you a college basketball fan before March. How about it, that? It did? It took something special. Yeah. I don't remember that. What happened? BYU beat Gonzaga at home in February, so I know you were a fan at least in February. What are you talking about? I just said BYU and the WCC is what I pay attention to. I mean the other parts of college basketball. Okay. If Duke beats North Carolina in January, it has nothing to do with anything. Agreed. It's like, oh, now they're one seed line less maybe <laughs> in a month and a half. Like it's No, it's fun. It's whatever. 
You know, no, it's listen. When you and I have to pay attention to BYU tennis and softball and everything, there's only so much space in here for me to for me to be like, dude, did Monmouth win yesterday? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Just keep up on the Andy Katz blog, the Jeff Goodman blog. Who's the team to beat out of the Sun Belt? That's what Twitter's for. (laughs) Brings it to me. Yes, uh, a robust schedule. What qualifies as a robust schedule? Twenty plus games. 25? Yeah, around there. Something like that between 20 and 25? 31 right now. Let's play all 31 if we can. I'm going to be greedy right now. Let's, I want, until you tell me we can't, I want all of it. This is the nature of a person in 2020, an American in 2020. I want it all, and greedy. I want it now. I want it all. <laughs> I don't need one flavor in my soda. I need five. I want it now. Yeah. Our question of the day, back to football. Would you be okay with Boise State... Being the toughest game on this year's BYU schedule. That includes additions or not adding anything else. Time to hear from you, BYU. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At DB underscore Nelson 22 answers on Instagram. Considering the situation this year, situation is one word for it. If Boise State is the toughest opponent and we have a full season, I'm good with that. What is a full season, though? I would like to make an argument. Boise State was the toughest team last year. 12-2. and 12-2, and two, ranked 14th at the time, finished in the top 25. They were the toughest team. Now, we remember USC perhaps more fondly because it's USC and it's not Boise State. There's certain, like, street cred associated with that. I mean, Utah was up there, too, right? Oh, oh sorry. No, you're right. Into, uh, best win, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Okay. Best win. Toughest opponent was undoubtedly Utah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have just put that out of my mind because it was so painful. <laughs> apparently, I did that with the 2011 game. Well, there they, was a while there where I, the schedule, so. where I oh that's right. Well, and they came out the schedule for Florida later. So <laughs> should we even play Utah ever again? We'll discuss. Uh, coming up, the best aware 57 and 58 plus an Olympian and the reigning national champion coach from BYU men's track and field and cross country. Ed Eyestone joins us. How will a delayed start impact his repeat run at a national title? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Summer baseball is on BYU Radio and BYUCougars.com. The Utah College League continues tonight, 10 Eastern, on the BYU Cougars app and BYUCougars.com, featuring current and former BYU players as well as other in-state schools. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Our question of the day, would you be okay with Boise State being the toughest football game on BYU's schedule this year? Stephen Tolos answers on Facebook, if it means the football is played, I'm all for it. This season is going to be different for a myriad of reasons, and with how many other activities are being canceled, I'll take any football I can get. Yeah, at this point, it uh, feels like we're all kind of desperate. So, hey, if seven games happens. But Boise State is going to be a top two or three game on BYU schedule, regardless exactly. of who's on the schedule. Even if it's a 10-game schedule, a 12-game schedule, Boise State might be the toughest. I had them second to Minnesota before that. Isn't it weird? to? I still haven't settled completely with the idea that BYU's not playing Utah or the Pac-12 or Big Ten. That hasn't settled in my mind yet. It's weird because... I see the graphic, but it, it doesn't resonate still. It's, it's like, still wait, an what? open date right now for Utah and for BYU. Right. 
and for Minnesota and for BYU. So right. until there's it's something else crazy. filling that space, I'm with you. It's, it's hard to kind of accept it. Gosh, dang it, 2020 stinks. <laughs> The worst year. But ever, if it man. brings Bama and but if it brings Oklahoma State, yes, and, and if it brings about change uh, socially, absolutely. That's All good. right. Yeah. Okay, Jerem. Now uh, we're going to call an audible here because we're talking uh, Madden football. Yeah. And a Madden football edition of Too High, Too Low, or Just Right. Brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We gave you a few of those Madden ratings early in the show. Let's revisit them right now. Jerem, too high, too low, or just right for Taysom Hill, who is a 64 overall. Feels low given his value to the Saints and what he does and how much people talk about him. His popularity. I think, yeah, 64 feels weird. Granted, he's pretty unproven overall. um, But how does he have speed, agility, throw power, and catching all 78 and above? But is he just, like, rated as a bad blocker? <laughs> They're not rating him as a quarterback, right? Or are they? Because, well, how would you rate him? 64 feels low regardless of where you put him. I would put him in the 70s. Yeah, low 70s. Probably. Yeah. He's not, he's not an 80s-plus guy yet. He needs more run at, like, one position. He, but he's the most player, uh, most unique player in Madden ever to rate, right? How do you rate him? What position? How are you? It's all gauged on what position you play. So if you're a receiver, it's like, Catching ability, blocking, jumping, speed, da da da. Running back, similar but different. Yeah. He needs to be higher. Here's my question What has Taysom Hill done in a game that people have been able to watch that makes you think he's only a 64? I, I want someone well, to explain it. It's me. the other way. What has he done to prove he's a whatever? That's from their perspective. That's what sure. Say, right? Every time he, I don't know, every time he's in the game, there, it feels like there's a Taysom Hill highlight every week in the NFL, whether it be blocking a punt or blocking a kick yeah. or returning a kick or throwing a touchdown or running for a touchdown or catching a touchdown. So, Do they want consistency or something? Maybe. From a certain position? Is his awareness low? Yeah. Is his awareness against the zone defense low? <laughs> hey, oh, by the way, so too high, uh, too low, or just right. Taysom Hill's MVP odds on ESPN are listed at uh, 1 in 260. <laughs> He's listed at least. They, they listed I'm, I'm every, okay with that. They listed every quarterback. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I'm okay with that. That's probably, just right that's with that, just Taysom right. Hill, sure. But I think his overall rating in Madden should be higher. Okay, next one. Fred Warner, the highest rated Cougar, 87. Too high, too low, or just right? I think that is right on par. I think Fred Warner deserves that. He has proved that he is the leader in that linebacker core for a team that played in the Super Bowl. He had an interception in the Super Bowl. He rises to the occasion. Fred Warner playing his best football in the brightest spotlight. I think 87 is a fair rating for Federico Warner. Awareness 97. How about that? Yeah, I, I think it's spot on. 87's fantastic. If you would have told me... When Fred was at BYU, he'll get an 87 in Madden one day. I'll go, oh, that's unbelievable. That's great. Anybody that can get an 87 at some point, and we'll talk about a few that weren't listed at all, where it was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. They weren't even listed? Um, 87's fantastic, so congrats to Fred. Okay. Now, Fred Warner's, uh, one of his idols at BYU was Kyle Van Noy, who is now playing for the Miami Dolphins. He's listed one point lower than Fred Warner, Jerem. He's won two Super Bowls, 86, too high, too low, or just right for Kyle Van Noy. I think that's spot on as well. Uh, Kyle had a tremendous impact with the Patriots. Um, He's getting a ton of respect. Uh, Here's 97 awareness as well. 98 play recognition. Look at that. 
98. His ability to just read a situation, albeit frustrating to his coaches at times at BYU. I know Kelly Pabingo was like, what is he? Interception. Right? Where is he? Sack. Fumble recovery. You know, he would, play recognition, yeah, is what he's all about. He makes plays that win games. He's just a gamer. That's well, best, this, is, this is a video game. That's, so that's the best word I can think of it. I think, I mean, Kyle's on par with Fred, so I'd like to see him have the same score, but whatever. I mean, we're splitting hairs now if we're complaining about an 87 and an 86. Uh, I think they're both deserving of being in the upper 80s. I think that's very fair. And uh, it also takes us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU has two players representing the Y as former Cougars on in the new Madden within the top five of their position group. Kyle Van Noy and Fred Warner at outside linebacker and middle linebacker. That's fantastic. And uh, BYU's produced some really good defensive players recently. And uh, thanks to Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, some good offensive players as well, which is good. Okay, next one, Jamal Williams uh, with the Packers, 78 overall. Too high, too low, or just right? I think that's just right. Uh, I wish Jamal would have more of an opportunity to do some things. He's the number two with the Packers to, what, Aaron Jones? And I thought he was emerging as that in the 2018 season when he was given extra carries and he had that game where he ran for 160-plus and two touchdowns. It was like, whoa, Jay Swag getting it in the NFL. 78, I think, is fair. I, I am interested to see how the Packers use him uh, and if this is indeed his last year with Green Bay, like if he's going to move somewhere else. The contract year, 96 carrying. What does that mean? He doesn't fumble? Is that what yeah, it means? Yeah, and that goes and back he, to his college days. He fumbled, what, once, I think, at BYU, maybe twice. Um, that's incredible. Yeah, I, spot on. He's got a little bit of work to do to climb 80-plus, uh, but uh, Jamal in the NFL is – He's a running back. He's in the NFL. And, frankly, that's enough for me, given BYU's lack of history with that position in the NFL, especially recently. So we're super proud of Jamal and what he's doing. Hang in there. Maybe get more of an opportunity to be ready. Super reliable, though. He's there. Like, if the Packers need him, he's, he's going to block. He's going to catch. He's going to do his thing. All right. On to Dirty Daniel Sorensen. Dirty Dan, Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champ. 71 overall, an 88 acceleration, 93 agility. I think they're looking at his pro day numbers. Yeah, pro day. Um, and they're putting this together. Too high, too low, too right. Uh, too low. I think Daniel Sorensen should be a little bit higher. I think he's probably mid to high 70s is where I would put him uh, as a Super Bowl champ and a, and a starter on uh, Starts Kansas City the Chiefs. Starts for Kansas City Chiefs, and he makes plays. Yes, his plays in the playoffs, that alone makes him deserve more than a 71. Yeah, he's not as like he's not as strong as of a cover kind of guy like in a nickel situation depending on who like with a speedster, but that's not his his role is to play safety, right? He's I think he's a good safety. All right, speaking okay, of secondary up, players, Michael Davis, 73 overall. Too high, too low, just right. I see I think that is just right, but that makes me take even more issue with Daniel Sorensen being at 71. I like Michael Davis. He's super fast and has like ascended to his starting role with the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. 92 speed, by the way. Woo! 92 speed. He's the fastest BYU player in the NFL. Only, according, according to men. Only two points higher than Taysom Hill at 90. Okay, so Michael but two's Davis, big when it's 90 to 92. Yeah. As a 73? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, just, I think Daniel Sorensen deserves better than that. Yeah, I think Michael Davis is I think that's accurate. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that contributes at a high level for the Chargers. And uh, the fact that he's been an undrafted guy that has stuck is pretty impressive. Okay, we move on. 
Let's stay on the defensive side of the ball. Sione Takitaki of the Cleveland Browns entering year number two after being a third-round draft pick. 68 overall. It's uh, it's just right. He does, hasn't done anything to prove otherwise quite yet, right? If you haven't done much, you should be in the 60s. And Sione, as a rookie, uh, was a backup, didn't play a ton. I would love to see him get uh, more opportunity and then have him climb into the 70s. We haven't really seen Sione Takitaki play. So, yes, 68 feels right. I think he is going to be a better player than that, but he hasn't had the opportunity to yeah. show otherwise. The hope is that he's high 70s later, right, in a couple years. Okay. That's the hope. Uh, Bronson Kafusti, 66. See, again, this is another one that, because we haven't seen a ton of Bronson Kafusi, like Sione, third-round draft pick, been in the league a couple of years, a few years longer than uh, Sione. It feels fair. Like, we need to see more of yeah. these players before they have the opportunity to earn a and that, better number. And that's twofold. One is maybe they haven't been good enough to earn that playing time, or, uh, you know, the opportunity hasn't been right, or the fit hasn't been right with the team. It kind of just depends. But I'm not quick to either blame the team or the guy, but let's keep in mind that the guy has to earn playing time, too. Okay, and then Harvey Longy has a 68 overall same, as well. Same idea. Yeah, just a little get more PT. They're with the Jets. Bronson, Harvey, and Corbin, they should just they should just create a band. They should just be in a band together. It's a three-man band. It's it's Polynesian. It's amazing. It's funny. It's Nacho Libre <laughs> stuff. You know? That's what I want. The elders of Hoboken. Or whatever. Or New Jersey. Wherever yeah. they train. I, want, I think the Jets facility is in New Jersey. Ziggy wasn't rated. Why was Ziggy not rated? He played a bunch of games for the Seahawks last year. There, a few years ago, he had 17 sacks. Corbin Kafusi, Dango Wolku, Tyson Williams, not rated. All right. they, they are, those two are rookies. Corbin didn't play last year. So. Can I throw my beef about Taysom Hill being a 64 in here again? Harvey Longy, Bronson Kafusi, and Sione Takitaki have higher ratings overall. That's weird. Than Taysom Hill. Yeah. Okay, so where should Taysom be then? 77? He should be closer to like Michael Davis and Daniel Sorensen. Like at least in yeah. the low 70s. He's lower than he should, those guys? He should be like 77. 78. Okay, coming up. Hopefully at Eyestone. <laughs> and the best to wear number 57 and 58 ever. At BYU, it's a double dip of our best to wear in this BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. He is Jerem. I am Spencer, and you know what time it is. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Senior defensive tackle Kyrus Tonga has been named to the Outland Trophy and Nagurski Trophy watch list for best interior lineman and best defensive player. Junior center James, don't call me Jim MB, has also been named to the Outland Trophy watch list as well. Notre Dame's athletic director Jack Swarbrick wants to start the season later but still play 8 to 10 games. Obviously, the Big Ten and Pac-12's decisions to go conference only have impacted this. Notre Dame losing games with USC, Stanford, and Wisconsin. Conferences reportedly are putting together an outline of what their schedules will look like and supposed to have that ready by the end of this month. So you got about a week. Then the Big 12 sounded off from Texas's athletic director. We're planning on starting football September 5th against South Florida. Planning on playing a 12-game schedule as of today. Brian Davis, a reporter in Big 12 country, added to that saying... Big 12 athletic directors want a full 12-game schedule or a plus-one model, which is also on the table. 
Texas OU a home and home for two years in a worst-case scenario. It feels like in the South, SEC, Big 12, Jerem, they, they want it all right now. They want to stay with the norm. Out. Big 10, Pac-12 made a uh, more, I guess, uh, conservative move initially. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham urges both New Mexico and New Mexico State to postpone contact sports this fall. Football and soccer, high school sports have been postponed in New Mexico. In Utah, high school sports are on full go right now. It's different, literally, not just in a state-to-state basis, but county-to-county within individual states. It's just the levels are all different. Speaking of different states, Rutgers in New Jersey will be limited to 500 fans. That, due to an executive order from New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, Chris Cuomo, the governor of New York, said yesterday that Syracuse is not allowed to have any fans, yeah, no fans. at all. Yeah. Cougars in the NFL. Madden released its ratings for players yesterday. Uh, we mentioned some of those, or all of those, in the last segment. In case you missed it, Fred Warner, highest rated, 87. Kyle Van Noy, 86 overall. Taysom Mill was a 64, and we think, uh, what? But he should be about, what, a 78? Yeah, mid, at least mid-70s, but yeah. he shouldn't be rated lower than Bronson Kafusi, Harvey Longy, and Sione Takitaki. Yeah, that's a little weird. Baseball. The Utah College League baseball continues tonight, 10 Eastern time. Team Clough versus Team Spencer. Wait, what? Are you playing? I, I didn't know I was in this. I well, I knew you could ball, but I man. probably worked that out. Coach, put me in. Can you I'm hit ready. a curveball right now? <laughs> wow. Can I hit a curveball ever? <laughs> <laughs> you can watch it on the BYU Cougars app and BYUCougars.com. Track and field. I think you can listen to it, right? Can you watch it? I think it's listen. Listen to it, yes. Blake Ellis has been awarded an NCAA postgraduate scholarship for his academic and athletic achievement. The scholarship's worth... 10000 bucks. Congrats. Ellis earned honorable mention All-American status in the 2019 outdoor season. We're indoors right now, Jerem, for today's best to wear it. We're counting up to 99, one or two numbers each show to determine who is the best athlete to wear each digit at BYU. Today we hit numbers 57 and 58. The best to wear number 57 is Robert and I. That's a complete miscalculation of what happened. No, it isn't. <laughs> Robert and I played uh, offensive line for BYU, 80-84. to 84. BYU, I, I just heard this, I just learned this, was really, really good during that period. Uh, he switched from center to offensive guard. Oh, yeah. 1984, all-wax second team, played in the Hula Bowl, part of the 84 National Championship team as well. Third-round pick in the USFL draft by the New Jersey Generals. Uh, notable coaching Stops, Hawaii, Ricks. I'm wearing a Ricks shirt today. There we go. Boise State, UNLV, Texas Tech, Arizona. Uh, Brigham, not once but twice, where he once called us thing one and thing two. Now he's at Virginia, where he is the offensive coordinator. Robert and I, the best to wear, 57. Who was thing one and who was thing two? I can't remember. I would think that you are thing one. Oh, okay. Because you're the host and I'm the co-host. So I would call you thing one. That's a complete miscalculation that's a complete, of what happened. I can't remember the question we asked, but he said, that's a complete miscalculation of what happened. And we were like, And by the what? way, it, it wasn't, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the best to wear number 58. How good have the 50s been? This, is, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Chris Hulk, our guy who uh, we spoke with uh, before the Toledo game. Yes. Uh, and that season. Chris was my first interview on air with BYU TV when I was uh, a sophomore in 2006. From 97 to 2000, big number 58 accounted for 38 tackles for loss, 13 sacks, 7 quarterback hurries, 
All-Mountain West Conference second team, but more importantly, Jerem, he made his name in the NFL as a Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He made it as an undrafted free agent, spent 11 years in the Steel Town, and won two Super Bowl rings. Mm. He's now working with the Steelers as a post-game analyst. Chris Hoke is no joke. If it was one Super Bowl, I would have been happier. Because they beat the Seahawks, they beat the Seahawks in, in 2006. There was a pass interference in the end zone. So bad. Anyway, coming up, Taysom Hill's MVP odds. We mentioned them earlier, but uh, should it be any higher? And Ed Eyestone, as promised, will join us, the former Olympian, defending national champion coach. He's a national champion himself, too, in the run of BYU. How will a COVID-impacted season impact their run at a potential second national championship? Stay with us. Three-time national champ. Love it. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Do we have to show Dennis in that, what we call a billboard? Uh, the greatest BYU football plays in the words of the greatest BYU football players. Hey, baby, volume two. Great moments as told by players coming up Friday, noon Eastern time. Don't miss it. Ty Detmer, Max Hall, Tanner Mangamich, Matthews coming up Friday. Welcome back on a Wednesday to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. And as promised, we bring in... A multiple-time national champion. No, no, I thought it was three. Four times. It's actually four. And he's coached a national championship team as of last year. And individuals. That's right. And been in the Olympics. He's probably our most decorated guest of all time, question mark? His name is Ed Stone. He joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom. Coach, besides Olympian and uh, multiple-time national champion and head coach, what do you want to come next on your resume? Well, I just think, uh, you know, hopefully a successful husband and father and grandfather, I think, are probably the most important titles that I could uh, hold currently. But uh, no, you got it's been some a work to run. do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can always we can always improve. We can always improve. Actually, I'm. I've been home a lot more over the last four or five months. So maybe I have increased a little bit in that category. But, uh, you know, we've, we've had some great teams and we've had some great accomplishments. Uh, we hope to get this back on track, no pun intended, and actually uh, have a chance to compete as a cross-country team, have a chance to defend our title. That's kind of our unofficial theme for the fall, D-O-T dot, uh, <laughs> defend our, t- our title. And, um, and uh, you know, it looks like, you know, we're trying to be as optimistic as possible that uh, cross-country will happen in the fall and that, of course, track and field will, will happen uh, in the springtime. So let's talk about that because the West Coast Conference announced last week, last uh, Thursday specifically, that uh, they're delaying the fall sports season until September 24th. Seven right. of the ten teams in the league are from California. This is a California-based move, right? Yet BYU has been at the forefront of being able to get back, train and whatnot, at least we've heard in football uh, you know, soccer and volleyball. How's it been for your runners? Well, I, I tend to be um, a glass is half full kind of guy rather than glass is half empty. So when I had that kind of emergency Zoom meeting with my team last week ahead of the WCC announcement to tell them what was going on, I told them that I preferred to look at it as a positive move because rather than the West Coast Conference doing what a couple of other conferences has conferences have done and just maybe pulled uh you know pulled the trigger on the on the season a little early um i i'm glad that they're going to take a few more weeks to gather some more data points 
and to uh, make sure that we can get this the season going. So I really feel like it's a good move. I think rather I think that gives us a chance to uh, continue to train, continue to hope for a season, continue to make some adjustments. And really, the only thing that it costs us by delaying the start of our season to September 24th, it does cause us uh, to have to cancel our first meet of the year, the Autumn Classic, which we always enjoy. And we usually have a high school invitational along with that. So it's a, a great opportunity for us to, to um, you know, show our, our, our talent of our team and also to do some recruiting at home. So we're going to have to post, postpone that, put that off, and probably do a, a later home meet. But really, I can accomplish that same thing by having a hard workout that, that weekend or a time trial with the team to kind of see where I'm at. So really, in, uh, the way that I pitched it to my team was uh, this is a good thing for us because it means the West Coast Conference is taking this serious and they want to give us an opportunity, hopefully, to be able to participate later in the season uh, as long as the NCAA goes in that direction. BYU track and field, cross-country coach at Isone with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, when you think about just the dynamics of the sport, cross-country specifically, and social distancing and trying to keep athletes healthy and safe, is this a sport where you feel like you could do this relatively easy compared to, I don't know, football or even basketball? Yeah, I do. And, and um, you, you know, last week I have some professional runners that I coach, and they were involved in a track event um, called the St. George Shootout. And they took some preemptive measures, which I think could be done in our sport in particular. The preemptive measures were that everyone who competed in that race had to have a COVID test prior and then also went through the temperature and the and the question uh survey uh the the actual day of but they had to do a covid test in the week prior and also do a a kind of a pinprick test the day before to make sure that they hadn't been reinfected over that period of time and i think our athletes certainly uh i mean at the extreme i think we could we could kind of follow a protocol like this prior to uh, races. Uh, and I, I know that even though it wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world, because the coaches had to do the nasal swab as well uh, for the COVID test, it wasn't the most you know pleasant experience in the world. But I think our athletes would welcome doing that, you know, three or four times during the course of the year, um, uh, as opposed to just canceling the season outright. Is there a situation where they, uh, the NCAA says, hey, you got to test often, like, not only weekly, but in certain sports, it sounds like they want to test every day or every other day. And I'm thinking, who can afford this besides some of the Power Fives, if that, because they're going to lose a lot of revenue anyway. So it feels like we're going to have to come to some kind of situation, Ed, where what, how many tests is enough and what's the tolerable yeah. risk? Well, I know, again, all I can do is, is kind of quote what, the, uh, what this race did uh, last week. And that was they had them do the test a week prior to. And then the day before, they had a blood test that theoretically could have picked up any infection that they would have had since the actual COVID test. Now, with cross-country, well, we really only have, you know, four big races, really three big races over the course of the season. And that's usually late in the season in terms of the conference meet, the regional meet, and the national meet. And I don't think, you know, to, to have to do a COVID test three times um, and get kind of your certification of uh, non-COVID-ness uh, would not be, I think, that prohibitively expensive 
or, um, or you know, damaging uh, and to be a very good thing and allow us to have uh, our sport. And I don't know that it would have to come to that, but certainly, uh, certainly one of the things that I do, you know, I was gone for a week on a family trip to, to uh, Yellowstone. So I came back and kind of missed out and everything that happened over the last week. But what I did initially is I just, you know, I, and what I do usually most days is I Google NCAA football because uh, football is the, is the dog that wags the tail across country. And so what I am hoping for, obviously, is that we have football. We need football financially to keep the NCAA, uh, out, you know, sports solvent. And so um, I'm following what's going on there. I'm assuming that if we do have football, that we can do a sport like cross country and we do it responsibly and, um, and we can make this, this happen. And now if, if there's an announcement that comes out that, yeah, they've decided to postpone football for the, till the spring or whatever, then I would anticipate that cross country might get uh, either eliminated for the year or tried to be work into a springtime scenario as well. But I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that we can roll forward. Uh, obviously, we need to be responsible with the things that we're doing. Uh, we need to be wearing our masks. We need to be washing our hands. And we need to be doing uh, all the things that we uh, have been asked to do. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, I I'm, I'm like to be optimistic. I'm, I'm hoping and looking for, a, um, you know, that they can come up with a vaccine as soon as possible. And then we, we go forward. Ed, as we all hope for football, and uh, it's just another reason, do, do it for cross-country, dang it. Give them an opportunity to defend their, their national championship. Dot. Let's go. Um, while we wait, what is the typical day like for you as a coach and in terms of training for your athletes right now? Yeah, well, I uh, we have a once-a-week uh, Zoom meeting, kind of devotional, just to check on everybody. And then periodically throughout the week, I'll meet with my athletes usually via Zoom or FaceTime, sometimes uh, individually in the office, although I haven't been going in the office every day, um, and uh, just to go over mileage to see how their summer training is going. Usually at this time in the year anyway, I'm not allowed to directly be working with the athletes, um, although uh, the way that things have kind of played out, I think I am now allowed to, to meet with them more than I normally would be this time of year at least that's my understanding as compliance has laid it out so um but i can do most of the things that i do from home that i do from the that i typically do in the office and that's uh, you know go through the emails and and uh i've got a zoom meeting uh later on in the day with the west coast conference to kind of go over the latest uh one of the things that i'm going to propose to them is is certainly we are concerned and and i like i said earlier the west coast conference i think made a good decision in terms of postponing our initial uh, events until after September 24th because they want us to see how this thing goes. And I respect the fact that they just did cancel the seasons outright. Uh, and I think they want to see things move forward as well. And so I'll have a Zoom meeting along with all the other coaches uh, of the West Coast Conference uh, a little bit later in, in the day. And uh, one of the things I am going to tell them is regardless of what the West Coast Conference decides to do about conference play, I'm hoping that they give us the viable option if they decide to say, hey, uh, this is getting, getting bad enough here uh, that we're not going to hold our conference meet, um, that they would still allow us for those schools that uh, can and are in a position to, uh, to um, you know, compete in the regional meet, com compete at the NCAA championships. And so um, and having talked to them and uh, 
to, to some of the administrators in the West Coast Conference offices. I feel like that's the direction they're, they're, they're going to do. They, will, they would give us the autonomy to compete uh, postseason. Uh, so that's, a, that's I think, is, is a good move on their part. Ed, great insight. Great to catch up with you. And for the record, as good of a runner as you were and coach you are right now, you're a better man and father, and we, we mean that. <laughs> well, I re- I appreciate you saying that. I, I and I think I think my daughters and 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 wife on my best days would probably say that as well. So thank you. <laughs> you got it, Ed. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, take care, guys. Coach Ed Ison on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up, Yoli Childs can't miss from the court. And are you really okay if Boise's the toughest game on the schedule for BYU, regardless of what happens? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Station continues with this daily reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, smash that subscribe button, and give us that five-star review. Smash it! Our question of the day, would you be okay with Boise State being the toughest football game on the 2020 BYU football schedule? Obviously, there are several layers to this because we don't know what's going to happen. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort Answers. It is Troy Beagley on Facebook and says, Honestly, at this point, I would take anybody as long as I can. I get to be in the stadium screaming for the Cougars. Okay. So Troy likes to scream. I like that. Today's Rise and Shoutout goes to Yoli Childs. Uh, put out a video uh, at Enzyme Hoops. Put out a video where Yoli Childs hits 14 in a row from the corner. 14? I mean, it's the short corner, but Yoli can't miss, man. Not bad for a dude that was just okay at shooting threes a couple years ago. Did he ever take a three in the corner in his career at BYU? I don't know that I he did. I felt like they were all at the top of the key or on the angle. How many would he take at the next level from here, right? But the point is, this guy's improved as a, a three-point shooter, um, which, is, which is good. And hopefully that translates into games. He shot a really high percentage this year. He only Oof. took good shots. He, only t- he told me one time, I only shoot when it's a great shot. And it manifested From itself three. in his statistics. Like 57% or something stupid. Holy cow. Our thanks to today's guest, Ed Eyestone, four-time right. national champion when he ran a BYU. And Olympic. Started Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time, Rosa. Conversation continues 24-7. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Justin Lutgerot. See you tomorrow on BYUSN. Go Cougs.